Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, October 21st, and I'm joined on this fine Thursday for our second pod of the week, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Going well, though. I guess my life is a bit more boring than I thought, because three days later and I don't have anything interesting to share, whereas a week I normally could come up with something five minutes before we started. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You know, uh, I worked, I had days off, not a lot happened. Well, well, that's the thing, right? Is we've usually had a whole week in between podcasts to come up with an event to chat about before we dive into the good stuff. But really, in the last three days, uh, like you, I myself haven't got up to anything exciting. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, there's really not much to talk about except jumping into sports. But, yeah. That's how it is. I'm not opposed. Uh, An article, I don't know if you have any knowledge of this article, just came through that Rogers chairman is out after a failed attempt to oust the CEO. Huh. The corporate stuff is probably the least interesting part for me. Kind of like how you feel about all the clickbaity athlete drama. So, no, I don't know anything about this. It's pretty crazy that... I don't know, I guess other people's lives are way more exciting than ours, but um, looks like some big, rich corporate drama happening right now that we're going to get the fallout of in a couple hours. So let's sideswipe that and head into the sporting world. And by sideswipe, I mean sidestep. That was a great choice of words on my part. I thought that was a new like internet verb for... <laughs> I guess like almost Tinder at you don't swipe side on Tinder. It's yes or no, but like a put it on pause <laughs> specifically like internet slang. Maybe we'll make it one. Yeah. I, I think the listeners can tell we're out of practice with these Thursday pods that this has been a rough start to this one, but we'll get it back on track here and head into basketball storylines. Cause that is going to be the majority of this show. Also have a couple notes on the NFL um, some hockey notes and, and some baseball notes as well to wrap things up. But the NBA season is off to a roaring start. Uh, great opening night on Tuesday. And then last night, uh, double digit number of games to follow and lots of awesome things happened. Not so awesome if you are a Raptors fan like us, but looking forward to j- diving into all of it. But before we get to the games, We'll touch on a couple storylines here uh, right before things got going on Tuesday. And of course, we have to begin with who other than Ben Simmons. And I thought the Kyrie was taking like the villains share of the spotlight and Simmons was back on track. But I, I need to suspend judgment for two weeks every time some new headline comes through because I didn't see this one coming. It's really bad. It's like uh, the meme of the the guy standing over and then the guy in the pink morph suit coming up behind him, ready to fight him. It's just whenever you think one of them's stolen the headline, the other's coming right out of nowhere to take it back. And Ben Simmons did it in quite some style, showing up to the Philadelphia facilities um, without warning to management. Um a couple nights ahead of time and then finally participating in his first practice where 
based on the videos he, <laughs> he practiced like I don't even know he, he looked like one of the kids when we played like three to five-year-old soccer who just sit and pick the dandelions like not our, interested our sisters. in sisters yeah not interested in participating in the action at all uh looked like there was a million places he would rather be and Doc Rivers picking up on that asked him to get in the drill multiple times Simmons refused he got sent home, um, which I guess he got what he wanted to be kicked out of the 76ers, but he's not going to another team. He's just getting suspended for a game and continuously uh, the money is draining away because just because he's there, they're not going to pay him. They're going to find more reasons to find him and, and not pay him the money that was in the contract because he doesn't deserve it, quite frankly. Yeah, it's so, I think part of the reason I so did not see this coming is why he's back at the 76ers, we're pretty sure it isn't because he sees a Hall of Fame career there following NBA championships. It's because he wants to get traded. But you need to be a desirable asset, a player GMs are going to want on their team if you want to get traded. And this kind of behavior is 180 degrees from that. That's really all there is to it. It's just so bizarrely incompetent decision-making. Yeah. He, at this point, he's just so far down the rabbit hole that's going to be difficult for him to, to climb his way out of it. And Philly fans are going to let him hear it if he ever enters a game this season. It, and he knows it. Yeah, he cannot go outside and show his face anywhere. He is going to get ridiculed and, and booed, and the fans are not happy with him right now. And a lot of the pieces in the Philadelphia media are just ruthless. <laughs> and meanwhile, that's affecting the players on the team. Joel Embiid, you know, his interviews, he just said, I don't care anymore. We've moved past it. I don't want to hear about him again. Uh, and they go out there and they take care of business in their first game of the season against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, but before we get into the games, a couple more notes to talk about, Max. I'll just rattle off some signings that happened right before the extension deadline. And, and you tell me what stands out to you as, as a great deal. So we have Malcolm Brogdon on a two year, $45 million extension, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Four years, 95 million. Mikal Bridges, four years, 90 million. Wendell Carter, four years, 50 million. Kevin Huerter, four years, 65 million, Grayson Allen, two years, 20 million, and Landry Sham at four years, 43 million. There's probably some more out there that I didn't catch, but those are the big ones that stood out to me. Any of those names really ring any bells with you? Probably Herder and I, I have the right Bridges. That's the one who plays for the Suns, eh? Yeah. Correct. Herder and Bridges as long-term lockups on teams that went deep into the playoffs, not the first or second scoring option, but guys who bring a lot of necessary things to their rotation. That's a huge plus for those teams to get them for the maximum length they can. And uh, especially that Herder, not too bad in the cap hit. Yeah, Herder was a great deal, I thought. Um, if you look at this Hawks roster, like they have locked up a ton of their young talent for long-term deals. And looks like they're not afraid to dip into the luxury tax, which is a sign of a successful team on its way up towards contending. Uh, the other deal that I thought was interesting was the Jaron Jackson Jr. signing. Uh, so many injuries have been a part of him. And then after Michael Porter Jr. got his big max extension, 
out of his rookie deal. People thought that Jaron Jackson could be in line for a ton because they're very high on him in Memphis and around the league and what his potential can be. Uh, but they end up getting him under a hundred million, obviously it's still a big deal, uh, but much more manageable and apparently looks like it is front loaded. So the salary cap per year is actually going to decline. And then when John Morant gets his max extension this off season, uh, I imagine he'll be increasing as the years go. So just helping manage some of the cap balances. I thought that was an interesting strategy there from Memphis. Really, really savvy. Uh, not enough teams utilize that. And so I like that deal. And then a couple of the others like Brogdon, Allen, I love are solid players and those teams need to sign those guys. That's the market rate. Um, so yeah, not, not a ton of bad contracts here, but we'll see as the year goes on. Uh, into the offseason what a lot of those guys who didn't get their extensions guys like DeAndre Aiden what that's going to look like for them but we can get into the games now yes sir where do you want to start uh let's start with opening night all right we had two marquee matchups really right off the bat eh? oh yes oh yes the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets kicking off the NBA season and the Bucks, who seemingly most people had forgot about, even though they are now the defending champions, came out with a statement win. And Giannis, <laughs> he's hitting his prime, and there's no one in this league that's going to stop him, man. It looks almost effortless the way he puts up points, and the jump shot looks real, real smooth. And not great seeing that Drew Holiday injury in the game, a heel contusion, I believe he's listed as, but besides that, the big three was operating well. Jordan and Wara came off the, off the bench and looked good um, as, as a secondary scorer and Milwaukee with a huge statement win against Brooklyn to begin the season. And uh, yeah, it truly Giannis did it all in that game. He was everywhere. Well, that MVP prediction looking great right off the bat, but that's, if you're going to be this Nets team, it's going to be probably with a big, with someone unstoppable, unguardable. And we saw Giannis live up to that in their playoff series and then even more so after. But maybe I shouldn't harp too much on that being a hole in the Nets because, like you said, unstoppable probably for almost any team in the league. Yeah, on the Nets side, Katie and Harden, of course, really good they're two top 10 players there and come out and look solid every night that's what they get paid to do uh but i thought some other guys have stepped up like patty mills looked really solid uh coming off the bench and he's going to be a big contributor right now with Kyrie irving out and then uh there are a couple other guys that they threw in there that i thought will improve and have a bigger role as the season goes along. Nicholas Claxton got eaten alive by Giannis, but he's going to be really important for them and and how they switch on defense and how he can roll and and throw down lobs uh, will be really important for this team. A lot of times Harden was finding him, but it was these really slick tight passes that were going in and out of the hands of Claxton. And so if he can start handling those there, that offense is going to be unstoppable. It can get even more unstoppable. Yeah, I know. Crazy to think about, but this Nets team still has some things to put together. Uh, and we'll see if they do that. Moving on to their next games. We'll go to the later slot uh, on opening night. The Lakers and the Warriors. Lakers get out to a hot start. 
LeBron and AD play well, and Russell Westbrook <laughs> uh, showed some of the fears that I mentioned during the offseason. Obviously, he's going to get better. Uh, it happened the last couple of years in Houston and, and Washington, where he started out really slow to the season and then really picked it up as it went along. I imagine he'll have a similar sort of trajectory to this season as he figures out how to play with LeBron and AD. Um, but in the end, that second half, like Curry with the triple double didn't play his best game in his words, uh, but was all over the stat sheet. He was obviously had a had massive gravity on the court. And then when he was kicking the ball, they were finding guys who could score. This is already very different from last year for Golden State. Uh, Bielitsa looks great with the ball in his hands and finding open shooters. He's a great playmaking asset for them to have kind of a pseudo Draymond Green coming off the bench in the fact that he can play make out of the short role. And then Jordan Poole, who a lot of people had tagged as a guy who's going to make a big leap this year, went off in this game, making a statement that he's going to have a big season. And that's huge for Golden State to get development from someone, anyone to help supplant Steph Curry and, and provide some additional scoring when on nights where it feels like he's the only guy. Uh, so that Golden State ball movement overall looked really, really pleasant to the eye and they get a big first win on the road in LA to start their season. Yeah, that's huge for them. All righty. That's it for opening night. We'll move on to last night's slate of games. And I guess we'll start with the Toronto Raptors in their home opener where the crowd is buzzing. It has been, geez, uh, 19 months since the Raptors have played in Toronto. Uh, the crowd is hyped. Drake's in the building. Cardinal official gives a great opening uh, track. Everyone's fired up and then they come out so flat and so discombobulated and the turnovers, the lack of defensive communication, losing guys on switches, um, passing the ball into the other team essentially, and then couldn't score, couldn't put the ball in the bucket when they needed to. And, and Washington is not a team that is going to be near the top of the Eastern conference and they're struggling against them early. It's not a good sign for how this season's going to go really disappointing first game for the raps. Yeah. It's funny. We were texting a little during the game and what you said was this team can't score. And with like a 30 something percentage field goal around that time, that seemed very true, but uh, watching the highlights of the press conferences from practice today, it was really defense that the message was being harped on on uh, Dragic, Nurse, and Birch were the three players yeah. in her interviews I saw. And they were all talking about watching tape on what to do better defensively. And I think that's really interesting because it says a lot about where this team is trying to go. And Dragic talked a little about finding their identity in the half-court offensive sets. And I think Birch talked about how loose the play style is, it, it really did seem like, hey, look to create your own shot. We're not going to run a whole ton of set plays. Um, and it's really going to be the plan for this team is to get the stops on defense and score in transition. And if Fred, if OG, if Siakam, if Dragic can all find a way to create their own offense, one guy gets hot and they mix that with strong defense, that's their game plan to win right now, which... 
I, I have some notes about the specific players starting with OG. I the first three, four shots he took, I loved it. I I love to see that aggression. We've talked about how it's really lacking from him. I thought he was getting pretty good open looks, making the right moves. But as it kept not falling, it uh the shot making or taking got a little more desperate. Uh so that's going to be something to monitor really tightly. But I loved, like, he had a dribble drive cross where he went into a layup and got blocked. If he just turned that into a dunk, a couple of, like, mid-range looks where I thought he got pretty open. And his three-point touch is so nice. He should be able to figure out the mid-range. Um, that's – the defense was great as always. But, yeah, the offense was – I liked the aggression, but really disappointing there. I've got a bunch of players to go off on, so let's go back and forth so I don't uh, try myself out. Sure, yeah, and and I think OG is going to have the opportunity to score, but early in this season, he should be a guy that's looking to get a couple catch-and-shoot opportunities or attack or closeout opportunities and then build off of that first make. Or you go to the rack, get fouled, build off of those free throws, whereas his first couple shots of the game were seemed forced, in my opinion where it was like late in the shot clock, I'm going to take a step back mid-range or I am going to take a three uh, dribbling around a screen where I'm open, but that's not necessarily within the rhythm of the game, like what you'd be looking for after he's made that first shot and, and he's starting to get his touch. Um, yeah, it, and the, the key word I would use is inconsistent because there were guys like – Gary Trent Jr. and Svi Mikhailuk, who showed flashes of being really aggressive defensively. Like they were going on a, they were taking a lot of chances and it, and it bit from time to time, but also led to some steals. They were right up in the grill, a lot of the Washington guards. Uh, but again, inconsistent where they're going for it a lot. And then if they miss it, then it's a five on four opportunity. Washington's getting a score based off of having just more guys on offense and, and moving it around, finding the right player. Um, so that those are the two guys that stood out to me on the defensive side. Besides that, a lot of lapses tonight. For sure. Um, I, it's funny. I thought Harold was killing us with the offensive boards. He was only a plus four in the game. So as a net effect, not that crazy. That was, I think that was due to a lot of the garbage time though, in the fourth quarter, he right. was on for yeah. most of that. Yeah. Yeah, the first half impact probably greatest. Yeah, yeah, it's other than yeah, Trent Jr.'s defensive effort really stood out to me, and a couple of those plays where he sprinted for the steal, missed it, and then they had an open look because of it. So that'll be something to monitor. But yeah, defensively, it was so many things I don't have specifics to point to. Um, the other thing that stood out to me on the offense was how comfortable Achua seemed to be, like being a fluid part of it. I noticed like a lot of switches or just momentum with him. I mean, as a short mobile center, that's really interesting, but he's got to find that finishing lob touch. Eh? I counted like three missed ones in the first quarter, and that those were the easy points that got us behind, and it only snowballed from there. But Sometimes you just get taken out of the game early and easy points are how you avoid that, which you can largely lay at his door. Yeah, the the offensive benefit of Precious is he'll catch and run with a rebound. 
he'll do those fake handoff drive for a dunk like he did early in the game against Gafford. And then it is that rim running threat. And they tried starting him with Dragic because those guys have a bit of chemistry from Miami, um, but just a, a tough opening couple sets for him and, and never really got it going. Uh, that was tough. And I found overall, like team had a ton of dead energy and it was almost, it was, you could sense there was a bit of a power vacuum where Kyle Lowry wasn't there to set the offense, figure out whose turn it was to shoot, get people in their right spots. And it was almost like all these young guys thought, hey, this is my opportunity to establish myself as the top option. So a lot of guys chucking. And I actually thought it was really refreshing when they go with Delano Banton late in the third quarter at a Rexdale crowd gets so excited to see him in the game. And he instantly gets a couple of defensive plays great behind the back pass. Um, obviously his first shot was a half court three, which was electric, but he was playing unselfishly and moving the ball around. And that helped some of those other guys really get into a flow where it's, Hey, I don't always have to take the shot. Let's play defense first. And then let's move it after that. And, and he honestly, <laughs> might've been the best player in that game for the Raptors in the limited time that he played. Just, he came off the bench, so much energy was attacking or passing, got his hands in, in a bunch of different spots. Like I was really impressed. Yeah. I actually shut the game off before that happened somewhere around being more than 20 points down. So it's really just the first quarter or first half woes I have to focus on. They got it back to eight points when he was in the game. Wow. Yeah. The final score was a 15-point deficit. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and then uh, the last note I had was Dragic as like a limited, very limited role seemed quite effective, but I think this team is going to need more from him. And if he was only as effective as he was because of the limited role, that's a bit of a dead end for us. But it, I'd only notice him like, on an occasional pass or like the couple times he decided to shoot, but when he did so it was quite effective. Yeah. He'll again, bunch of guys in new spots. So he'll get into a rhythm. He's an established veteran player who is going to score 12 to 15. He's going to get three to five assists. Um, and he's going to make a couple plays on the defensive end. Like he's solid. He's not, he's going to raise the floor of your team and not the ceiling. And I think we'll see lots more out of the dragon and, and a guy eventually Raptors fans will come around on after he said he didn't really want to be there when the trade happened. I thought it was clear from his apologies, like how <laughs> he realized he most misspoke and meant it when he apologized for it. So speaking personally, I hold no ill will from no, that. Me neither. One more player, eh? Yeah. Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> save like save first, him for last. Yeah. First shot that sky hook. <laughs> Left handed. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, the video is carrying a lot of our emotions right now. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're listening to the pod, you're not capturing it. But um honestly, overall, good start for a rookie in his very first game. I don't know what people are expecting of him. I guess they're looking at like he should be a lockdown defender instantly. And, and I mean, he showed flashes of some defense, but 
to me, got really beat a ton off ball uh, and got hung up on a couple switches and communicating. And there's just some lapses there. Uh, he, again, has the tools and he's going to learn. And by the end of the season, going to be solid. Uh, but right now was tough for him to figure out the, the speed and all of the different things happening within an NBA offense. Uh, and then, again, in transition, he's, he's going to shine as well. We saw him with a no-look dish uh, in transition where Kembridge got fouled. And then another one where Precious went for the lob and he threw the no look out of bounds because he was expecting him to stay grounded. Yeah, that actually was the main thing I wanted to talk about offensively, maybe a bit much. I He had six turnovers in the game. I don't know how many of those were the no looks, but it seems like almost so predictable. If I were a defender after watching film on this game and he was on transition, I'd be expecting the no look. So maybe we'll see that play out in some really funny, like triple psych scenarios, but probably bit off a bit more than you could chew yeah. with his offensive play style. But I think that's the energy we were expecting and loving about him going in. Yeah, there was definitely good and bad double digit points. A lot of those from like post touches where he gets in closer on the rim, lays it up. I think he had one three point attempt, didn't go in. Uh, and then five fouls as well in this game so again rookie struggles with the fouls some bad calls though yeah i think at least two of them were really garbage yeah where the verticality yeah he uh yeah there's gonna be the bad there but a lot to like and a lot to build on early in this season and he's gonna be in for a tough test when the raptors play the celtics and the mavericks back to back coming up uh friday and saturday so he's gonna get a taste of what elite elite scoring looks like. Cause I didn't see too many possessions where he was guarding Bradley Beal, um, who of course second best scorer in the league last year, but he's going to have more opportunities to take on wings like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic. Fascinating to see how he responds there. It's the black boys. Yep. That first game felt a little bit premonition-y of how this season's going to look a couple fun moments. Watch the young guys develop. L <laughs> is the final result. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, going up against two of the top scoring talents in the league. So trying to go punch for punch with that offensively should tell us a lot. Yeah. All right, let's run through the rest of the night here. Just some top storylines. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, they're quote-unquote big three, Edwards, Cat, and Russell all score 20-plus as they blow out the Houston Rockets in their opener. Uh, Jalen Green had some pretty athletic plays, nothing too spectacular. The guy who was spectacular athletically last night was Ja Morant, who filled up the stat sheet 30-plus uh, and six and seven, and uh, monster highlights, like a block where he almost touched the top of the backboard and then a lob where he grabbed it way behind his head and, and threw it down. I think he's going to have a really special year, and I'm excited to see what the Grizzlies do. Uh, another young player up and coming, LaMelo Ball, led an incredible comeback for the Charlotte Hornets over the Indiana Pacers. They were down 20-some, and he just started hitting threes left and right, a couple big ones, a couple dunks in transition. He looks really active and engaged early on this season. And it's going to be fun for the Hornets whenever they play and a lot of lobs and a lot of flashy plays. LaMelo is just 
you can't take your eyes off the screen when he's on the court. Yeah, just sounds like a really successful return to sophomore, which you love to see from the rookies of the year. And then he looked like a Power Ranger after the game. I don't know if you saw the no like puke yellow long jacket and matching vehicle. I don't. It was quite the style, I gotta say. Uh, and then the last game here, the game of the night, which is saying something because there were a lot of great games. The New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics go to double overtime in opening night at Madison Square Garden. The Celtics, Jalen Brown with a 40-footer, and then Marcus Smart with a buzzer-beater three to send it to overtime. And then Fournier trading threes with Brown, trading threes with Tatum, trading threes with Randall, uh, with Barrett. It was just bombs away, and then no one could score. And then it goes a double overtime, and Derrick Rose hits a, hits a clutch floater off the glass. Knicks win by four, a huge statement win to start the year. And hopefully the Celtics have some sore legs when they head to head to face Toronto uh, on Friday because definitely going to need that. Uh, it was a pretty spectacular performance from Jalen Brown, career-high 46 points. Wow. Um, and he looks like he's going to have a fantastic year as well. Yeah, See, one of those players who could be in the middle of the big trajectory upswing that definitely started last year, but no reason to think the improvements are done. Yep. All right. That does it for basketball storylines. We are into our NFL preview for this weekend. I get to do a little bit of an extended preview rather than just doing the once a week. Um, So top, top games. I got three going into this weekend. The Chicago Bears taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see how Justin Fields fares against the Tampa Bay Bucks defense, who are great at stopping the run, and the Chicago Bears love to run the ball. So it'll be an interesting matchup there. And then, obviously, Tom Brady on the other side, looking to keep his season rolling. Um, made a funny joke this week during media about how Aaron Rodgers recently became a shareholder of the team after Aaron Rodgers said that he owned the bears after scoring a touchdown. I don't know if you've seen that clip. Max is pretty excellent uh, living rent free in all bears fans heads forever and ever. Uh, another big game in the AFC North uh, battle for first place between the five and one Ravens and the four and two Cincinnati Bengals. Weird to say that ahead of this season, but the Bengals are in it and The Ravens, as much as they've been beat up this season with a signature win last week against the LA Chargers, will they come down off of a high and maybe get uh, sneak attacked by this Bengals team who are just so much fun to watch on offense? Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd are just a fun receiving court. And then Joe Mixon as well. Fantastic offensive talent on that side of the ball and looking forward to seeing how they match up against Baltimore's defense. And then the last game I have previewed here is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, The Titans and Chiefs, this is a rematch of the 2019 AFC Championship game. And the Chiefs, three and three, really need this win. Um, Titans, four and two, coming off a big win in Buffalo where Derrick Henry was unstoppable. I think it's going to be more of the same uh, against this Chiefs defense that's just looked really soft all season long. So hopefully a lot of points in this game should be a lot of fun. And can't wait to see the outcomes of this weekend in the NFL. That's it for me. We'll jump into some talking hockey. Yeah. Um, All I've got from the Leafs Monday night game is Campbell is still amazing. And Marner and now Matthews are still cursed. 
Uh, Matthews also got some of that first round of playoff energy. Yeah, but he had 14 shots. Like he was incredible in that game. Oh yeah, and he should have scored on like five of them. That's why I'm saying he's still cursed. Uh, that's all I've got from that. It was just that overtime was brutal to watch. More Leafs news. Nick Robertson out for 10 weeks with a broken fibula. Tough for the kid. Uh, he just can't seem to get any sustained run with any team that he's on since he's been a part of the Leafs organization, but wishing him the best of recovery. Nikita Kucherov also out for who knows how long um, with a foot injury, I believe that could sideline him for the entire season for real. Um I know people making some jokes about LTIR again, but it's tough, man, to win two Stanley Cups in a row and then go and play another long 82-game season. And he's hurting, and something's wrong with him. Apparently, this injury started in 2020, the series against the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's never really fully been resolved. So they're going to take the time to look at that, and it could be anywhere, from, like I said, from 10 weeks to the entire season that he misses, and that's a big blow for the Lightning also sets up the possibility that they look at Jack Eichel if he sits on LTIR. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, we're killing that thought there. Stop it. <laughs> All right. Won't even speak it into existence. All right. Let's take a look at the NHL standing, shall we? Um, I don't know if we live in upside down world or not, but the top teams in the respective divisions right now, uh, Florida, Buffalo, Detroit, pause. <laughs> and then in the, what, in the Pacific, we've got San Jose and Anaheim as two of the top three along with Edmonton. So there's just a couple, everything else looks pretty normal, but uh, I don't know which of those four teams stands out to you the most, Buffalo, Detroit, San Jose, Anaheim as a team that should be in the, shouldn't be in the top three of their division. I mean, it's probably going to be Buffalo after that 19-game losing streak last season and not, not really getting any better in any clear sense on paper. So to have a turnaround and start the season like this is just speaks to what a volatile sport hockey is and what why there's so much co- coach shuffling and locker room chemistry is so important because who knows what's going on yeah it's, it's probably a little bit freeing for them to have such low expectations for the season people picking them to win like 15 games so they just got to go out there work their butts off this is like all of them it's a chance to prove it and they're going to catch teams if they work hard they're going to catch teams just like the senators did last season uh just like I don't know who else you want to throw out there. It like Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA as another example, right? The NHL, it's a long season, and teams look at the Sabres and go, oh, we can not go 100% against them that night and probably still get the win, and that's going to lead to some weird results, and it's happening early, and I'm happy for Sabres fans that they get this little reprieve from all of the drama and all of the terrible things that have happened to them over the last couple seasons. It's well-deserved. Yeah, uh, I will... I think I've maybe said this to you before, but my roommate or former roommate had this theory that no expectations is like the best blessing you can play with. And that's what made the Vegas Golden Knights so successful and makes the Toronto Maple Leafs so unsuccessful. So another throwback to that, but we don't need to get into more Marner bashing off that. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, you should probably mute me on your side before I talk about this next bit, but the Montreal Canadiens have to be talked about. I am savoring the sweetness of this NHL season start as they start the season 0-4, and, and it's DEFCON 5 in Montreal. Uh, Mark Bergevin talking to the media today. Things are going downhill really quickly with this team. Looks like Shea Weber might be just done for his career. Um, according to some of the quotes there, obviously no carry price and Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. It's tough when the expectations are there, right? We're talking about expectations. Also, you have to play defense now that Phil Deneau is not on that team and they can't score because they've got to spend so much time in their own end. And it's been really, really tough for this Montreal team. They just went all the way to the Stanley cup finals and they're beaten battered even with that time off. And it might be a long year for Les Habitants. Seems opposite of the Buffalo Sabres are locking in when they walk into the Bell Center or have the Canadians walk into their team because of that deep playoff run. I don't think 0-4 even captures it because they've lost their games 3-1, 5-1, 3-1, and 4-5 nothing. So they haven't scored more than one goal in a game yet and allowed at least three goals every game, though. Was one of those Leafs ones an empty netter, or was it just 2-1 the Leafs beat them by? It was just 2-1. Okay. Anywho, that was the Leafs, so any other team would have gotten four goals on that night. Um, we're so we're so damaged. <laughs> Sorry, I I, sometimes I think every sports fan must feel the way we feel about the Leafs about their city and sometimes reading comments in online forums validates that theory but the universe does revolve around us we are the heliocentric ones so that can't be it but the Canadians like like you said spending so much of the game chasing the puck in their own zone that they're just not getting the opportunities to create those offensive chances let alone finish them uh, I think they have something like a 2.3% scoring rate on all their shots and their opponents have a 13%. So those numbers surely will find the mean a little, but even doing so isn't going to be enough to get them back on track. Yep. And I'm here for it. Absolutely. <laughs> Feels good. Yeah. All right, we'll have some more hockey talk as the season goes along. But for now, that is it for that section of the pod. And we're going to wrap up with a little bit of baseball. Just a quick update. Um, in case anyone was wondering, which you probably were not, Houston Astros up 3-2 on the Boston Red Sox, who deserve both. You can't really cheer for either of these teams. Um, and then on the other side, the Atlanta Braves up 3-1 against the Dodgers. Truly like four teams that, it's kind of like how I was talking about Champions League, four teams that you love to root against, um, which, which means it's great baseball because they're good teams, but also hard to engage as a fan, not of those four teams, uh, if you don't want to see any of them win. So we'll keep following that for anything interesting that happens, but baseball's dying out, almost done. Probably have some World Series coverage, but right now it's – there's nothing there really to, for me to really lock in on. So that's also it. Also, thrown strikes were had, and I imagine one or two went over the wall. Couple dingers. Yeah, for sure. All righty. 
any last notes, Max, before we wrap things up? We do want to keep the pods a little bit shorter now that we got two a week. Yeah, and I think that'll flow naturally. I can't believe I didn't talk about the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder third match. Um, I honestly forgot it was on and fell asleep early that night, which is a huge regret of mine. It sounds like it was an amazing fight to cool off an amazing trilogy and Tyson Fury is undisputedly the best heavyweight in the world right now after the era of three kings had been pretty much settled but with Joshua losing a couple weeks back and Fury putting it in beyond definitive terms this time there's no doubt so what a great story shout out to Tyson Fury Gypsy King oh yeah uh, other than that, I wish sports animes were like more accessible to normal sports fans. I've been, I think I told you about this basketball one. I'm trying to get myself really hyped for basketball. Uh, I think I'm about to broadcast my first game Saturday. Yeah, that's exciting. But they ruin it with like a couple just absurd beyond real things where like guys can hit shots from anywhere on the court or like do floating backhanded hooks from like behind the backboard so it's like ooh, they can score from every anywhere you have to block them at all times and it just <laughs> it's been bugging me this week yeah i think i may make the move on 2k this weekend oh yeah yeah it's on sale eh? yeah that's i think that's yeah. why yeah yeah i i actually really like uh the way the my player build is now mm-hmm. It just, there's a lot of freedom and you get to make the decisions on, and you can have like kind of a generalist player who does a bit of everything or like a really specialized player and the way like the badge counts work and you have to have enough points in certain attributes to like get the higher badges for those attributes. And you can like totally skimp off in the athleticism if you want some extra. I really like where it is. Uh, besides all the usual AI crap. So what's your go-to build then? I'm point guard. I, I love making the point guards. What kind? Uh, like a, I want to max out the passing because you can do 99 passing, which is okay. really fun. Uh, get the dribbling as high and then just try and have solid defense and like be the rest of the offense diverse so that like can it hit the threes, hit the mid-range, hit the layups, whatever's there but pass first. Okay. Yeah. I love me. Uh, I love me a six, five demigod at point. So basically ah. building taller Russell Westbrook, um, right. with defense. That's, that's usually my go-to. Well, it's interesting with the badges now though. Like if you want ankle breaker, say on like gold or hall of fame, your ball handle has to be a certain level. And for your ball handle to be a certain level, you have to watch like where your physical build is at. So I'll be interested to hear what you come up with. I've also got like a nice versatile small forward. Sweet. All right. Well, we're definitely going to enjoy some 2K this weekend. I hope everyone listening does as well. If not, enjoy the sports. If not, enjoy the fall weather. And uh, let all your friends know we're back on Thursdays twice a week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And Max, I'll leave it to you. That's my friend. Sports Next Door signing out.